Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 131. Today we have special guest Ryan Huber. Uh, Ryan has a very, very powerful story and uh, a lot of great life perspective. He's 27 years old. He's been in some of the darkest of dark places in, in life. Some of that includes doing drugs, alcohol. Uh, he got to a certain place that he's going to talk about more in depth here where uh, he actually tried to kill himself with a gun in uh, September of 2017. And uh, clearly, obviously, he survived. Um, but his story and his perspective and the mindset in all those times and places and now are, I think, very valuable and powerful to all of us as uh, we go through life right now. Uh, a lot of people are in a very dark place. I wish that wasn't the case. I wish I could just uh, press a button or do something to somehow eliminate that. Uh, I can't completely, but I want to encourage each and every one of us, if you're not in a dark place, be mindful and aware of others. Don't be judgmental. We talk a lot about that here. He was homeless for a time, Ryan. Uh, it, it is a little different than sometimes we have a guest who's maybe an author or speaker or coach or various things like that, doctors and things that we've had on. Ryan's a guy that I met through a Facebook group called Worldwide Unified. It's uh, a lot of people post in there now with, uh, you know, difficulties in life, health challenges, asking for prayers. And it's a very powerful group with, uh, I think, several hundred thousand people in it now. Uh, so I would encourage you, if you have that opportunity, to go join that group, unite and help each other and uh, unite in prayer if that's uh, part of your life and belief system uh, or just energy of lifting each other. He posted in there about his story, about all these things that had happened. And in fact, I want to read his post that uh, he put in there that, that kind of caused me to reach out to him and uh, have him as a guest on the podcast. It's not too long, but he said, on September 2nd, 2017, I took my mother's nine millimeter and shot myself in her house. Somehow I lived. I was struggling with addiction, depression, and hopelessness. I've been homeless. I've had nowhere to go and no one to talk to. I know what struggle means. Thank God I'm alive. I'm 250 days sober. I have a life I enjoy very much, and I look forward to the future. Recovery is possible, and a much better life awaits you. Life is a gift, an extraordinarily beautiful one at that. Nature helped me find my soul, and I believe it's more powerful than any drug. To anyone struggling, don't give up, please. This world is a much better place with you in it. You are loved, needed, and wanted. Keep pushing. I love you. That was his post. I decided to send him a message. I commented. I tagged him. I said, you know what? We need to get you on this podcast if you're willing. And he was, thankfully. Uh, before we jump into that interview, I want to remind you, as always, you are absolutely priceless. Don't let anyone or anything or anything anyone else is doing or saying convince you otherwise. And along with that, you're never alone. What I mean by priceless is you and I and Ryan and everybody else are above the uh, worldly uh, monetary systems. And the like we talked about here in this podcast, the best things in life are free. Just the fact that we have a foot and a leg and eyes and and air to breathe and people to love and all these things that uh, money is not part of those equations, uh, it just kind of underscores all that. Please know, most importantly, especially this time of year, a lot of people go through some of their darkest times during what you would think is supposed to be the, the most joyous time of the year, and for a lot of people it is, but uh, please realize that if you're going through dark things, uh, you're not alone. A lot of people, myself included, have gone through all kinds of stuff, 
especially this year with all this nonsense going on with this virus and stuff, you are absolutely not alone. Please, please, please reach out. Reach out to me, info at empowerhumans.com and empower101 on Instagram and Twitter. Reach out to friends, family, neighbors, like I've been saying. Uh, my experience is that a vast majority, if not all, really by nature of us people, I can't speak for everybody, but uh, if given the opportunity, we're going to help each other and lift each other. So uh, please don't uh, discount that reality. And uh, I also want to, before we jump in, our challenges real quick, study, start studying, keep studying, whatever your situation is, That's uh, find something that resonates with you. We have access to so much these days, we really don't have any excuses. Find a book, find an audio book. There's apps, Libby and Hoopla Digital that tie into local library systems, at least in the U.S. I don't know if those are everywhere, but there's various ways to find things to study between the internet and things. Find find things that resonate with you to lift you and keep you in a place of light and uh, in tune and centered, so to speak. And the second challenge, of course, is uh, let's keep making great moments. Uh, that's generally, like I've been saying, that's with loved ones. Lift, surprise, and spend quality time. The other day, actually yesterday, uh, I just laid down with my son on his bed and we uh, watched some videos and laughed together and talked. And those are the moments that uh, really matter the most in life. It's not sitting here collecting a bunch of money or this or that. And by the way, money is just a tool. It makes us more of what we already were. Uh, so make great moments. And those will be pillars in our lives to overshadow all the you know, mistakes and shortcomings. We all have them. Again, you're not alone in that. We all make mistakes. We've made them. Uh, but making great moments, lifting others, look for people to help. That'll make great moments too. And our last challenge, let's keep doing this podcast together. I love you and appreciate you. And I'm, of course, as always flattered that we spend time together and that you spend time with me. And uh, I think this is possibly the most powerful podcast we've ever done. No offense to any of our other guests, but in terms of the depth and scope of this topic, uh, I would dare submit that maybe it is, uh, regardless of of all of that. It's a powerful one, and uh, I'm excited to bring it to you. So here we are with uh, the one and only Ryan Huber. Here we go. We are pleased and honored to welcome Ryan Huber today. Ryan has an interesting story. This isn't usually we have some you know an author or a speaker or a coach or something, uh, various things like that in the podcast. But Ryan, how you doing today, my friend? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, man. We're just uh, hanging in there. We're both on Pacific time here. It's probably, how's, you're in Oregon, you said? Yeah, yeah, here in Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon. How far is that from the coast? Uh, it, Depending on where you go, between like three and six hours. Yeah, okay. I have a niece up there in, uh, uh, what's it, it starts with an M. <laughs> but On the coast? On the coast? No, not on the coast. She's actually, she does the news for the NBC station out there. She just graduated and she's doing the news. Oh, wow. Medford, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, Medford. That's down south a little from where I am. Oh, okay. Well, tune in the news down there and you might see her. Her name's Madison. Right <laughs> anyway, yes, yes, my friend. So, uh, and by the way, we were just talking, you guys have the last blockbuster in existence there in Bend, Oregon, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I actually didn't even know about that myself, but uh, <laughs> one of my friends was telling me about it, and it's still here and kicking. It's <laughs> still kicking, huh? That's an interesting little uh, tidbit. I guess it sounds like you haven't been there, so. <laughs> no, I think last time I was there was like 10 years ago when I was a little kid, but yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. So are, where are you from originally? Um, So I was born in Stockton, California, and... uh. I, I lived in California until I was 
probably around 10 and then my family and I moved up to Oregon. Okay. Stockton, huh? So yeah. you, yeah, that's uh that's an interesting town. Not, not <laughs> in my experience, it's not the most pleasant of places. Is that, was that your, I mean, you were only there till you were 10. No yeah, offense to anyone I, in Stockton. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even in, I was only in California until I was like 10. So thankfully I don't really have any recollection, recollection of, uh, what life was like in Stockton, but I, I do hear some interesting things in that area. Yeah. Well, I see. Do you, do you have any siblings at all? Did you, you know, brothers, sisters? Yeah. Yeah. I've got, uh, two little sisters. Um, one's 12 and then one's 23. And then I've got my older brother who lives in LA actually. And he's, I think he's 31 now. Okay. So what's, what's your age? You don't mind me asking. I'm 27. Okay. I just turned 40 myself, so a little ahead of you, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Cool. So your brother's down in LA. No, what I want to, obviously, and you know, we met through a Facebook group and you'd done a post that actually kind of hit me pretty hard. And I was like, you know what? We should talk on the podcast. And I sent you a couple messages and, and, uh, talk to me about your story. I mean, it's probably a long story. It culminated, I think you said September of 2017. Um, yeah. But let's go back. Where did this start for you? Because we talk about addiction. We talk about uh, being in just kind of a dark place. You know, I had a great childhood growing up. Like, my parents were always super good to me. Um, They were together until I was, like, 18. Mm -hmm. And I think once I hit about 15, I just kind of got the rebellious attitude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it started off with me and my buddy just drinking and going to parties and doing all that. And at first it was fun, you know, but a few years later when I was actually addicted to alcohol, um, that's when my life started to kind of go downhill. Um, it just completely consumed me. I was... It got to the point where I was drinking like a half gallon of rum every day and somehow I was still functioning and going to work and I had my own place and, you know, all that was good. And until, you know, I was by myself and I had to drink to not be sick and then I was just stuck with my thoughts and, you know, I was never dealing with anything that I was going through in my life. I was just drinking to forget about it and pass out and Mm. live a reckless life. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the gist of how it started. Um, was there more to like, uh, you know, drugs and other things or did that oh, come yeah. later kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. It, uh, so yeah, it just started out drinking and then I grew up in a small town, Prineville, Oregon. It's got like a population of 10,000. And I mean, there's not a whole lot to do out there other than go out in the woods and shoot stuff and get drunk and, there's a, a lot of drugs in that town. And um, the first time that I did drugs, I was at a party and this guy said he had some cocaine. So he dispersed it and uh, ended up being meth. And oh. yeah, that, that was uh, I was up for like three days and just kind of found out it wasn't cocaine. And, uh, you know, it, I can't say from that point on I was addicted to meth or anything, but it definitely gave me a broad spectrum of drugs and what they can do. And they made me feel good. And 
um so off and on i mean i just started kind of playing around with drugs and then uh mm-hmm. this girl i was dating at the time <clears throat> she was super bad into heroin and uh you know I, we started doing heroin together and uh that got to a point i mean heroin is a beast man it devoured my soul and like addiction in general does all that but heroin i I just i remember one time i was sitting in a trap house and i didn't have any heroin and i was sick and i was thinking in my head that you know if somebody would offer me like twenty dollars worth of heroin i would literally cut my leg off right now and trade for that and i would have Mm -hmm. done that in that point in time and that stuck with me just because I think that speaks of how powerful it is. Yeah. Well, it, that's it, what uh, I hear. It's definitely a devastating thing. Mm-hmm. So you, you covered quite a spectrum of, of, uh, substances, alcohol, meth, which was unintentional sounds like, but, uh, heroin. Yeah. I hear heroin's kind of, uh, you know, I, I hear it's similar to getting into some of these opioids that are, you know, prescriptions just right. by virtue of what it does. But, uh, you know, sometimes people get hooked on the pills and then they can't get them. So they just turn to heroin on the streets. Um, but uh, so what else was going on in your life at this time? You talk about this girl. Were you working at all? Uh, school um, or anything? Like, <clears throat> tell me. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, from... 15 to like 18 i was in high school and i I mean i was still going to school and doing all the regular things that uh at that age would be doing um and i just had like off and on like ranch hand jobs and stuff and then when i was 18 uh i was actually (laughs) i wanted to get out of primeville so me and a couple of my friends were gonna just hitchhike and our plan was to get to california and we were just going to, it was a terrible idea looking back at it, but we were just going to live on the streets. And uh, mm. my parents caught wind of that. And uh, the day I turned 18, I was packing my stuff, getting ready to leave. And they came to me and they were like, look, Ryan, we think this is a terrible idea. We know we can't talk you out of it, but we have an offer for you. And they offered to pay for my first month's rent at a place in Bend, which is a town like 30 miles away from Prineville, which is where I wanted to be because mm. there's more opportunity. Um, so I took them up on that and, uh, I got my own place in Bend and kind of got on my feet. I got a job. I was just working at, I think it was Taco Bell. Um, and at that point in time, like, I think I was around 18 and, uh, you know, I was a pretty bad alcoholic, but I wasn't super heavy into drugs yet. Yeah. Um, but alcohol, I've been to a couple different inpatient rehab programs that, cause I mean, I, I got hospitalized a couple times just from, uh, like withdrawals from alcohol and then I had liver failure and it was just all bad. So I went to two separate inpatients and mm. I think I stayed, the longest I stayed clean out of those was like 90 days. And then I just got back into it. Right. Um, so Moving forward a little bit, I have some friends that were from Primeville come over to my house and we started doing math together and it that kind of just started me not caring and having fun, thinking I was having fun and I found out that my upstairs neighbor is a heroin addict. Um, so mm-hmm. 
we connected and then started doing heroin and uh that girlfriend i was talking about she was actually my high school sweetheart and uh we had a falling out back when i was like 16 and reconnected when i was like 19 or 20 and started dating again mm-hmm. and uh she was super bad into heroin at that point and um Goodness. so i guess jumping forward a little more this is kind of where the story gets a little dark um <clears throat> I, my drinking got out of control. My drug use got out of control. Um, mm-hmm. I moved back to Primeville with my mom cause I'd lost my apartment cause I just wasn't following through with anything I should have been. Um, and my mom, she is a sweet woman, bless her heart. But, mm-hmm. uh, I put her through hell and, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I was just living in her house, not doing anything, not looking forward to anything in my life, kind of just gave up on myself. And um, I, there was one morning where I woke up and she, her and her boyfriend were going to go rock hounding and they invited me to go, but I told them no. And I've been dealing with, I've dealt with depression my whole life and mm-hmm. I, it's it's been a up and down battle. Um, but that day I woke up and I had a half gallon and I just started chugging it. And there'd been a couple of times in the past where, you know, I'd wanted to die, but I think it was more of a cry for help because I would just like cut myself. And I'd been in the hospital a couple of times and I had to get like stitches, but nothing where I think I actually wanted to die. And then that morning, September 2nd, 2017, my mom has a nine millimeter and I knew where she kept it and I was just depressed and drunk. And I, I remember thinking, you know, if I'm supposed to live, then I'll live. And if I'm not, then I'll die. And I was completely content with that. So I took her nine millimeter and I took the clip out of it and she had hollow points and then full metal jackets. And I put hollow points in it, which upon impact, like just explode and if i would have shot myself with that i don't think we'd be having this conversation yeah but there there was something in me that decided to take the hollow points out put full metal jackets in it and i took your gun and i held it to my chest and i remember saying you know if i'm supposed to live i will live and if i'm not then i will die and i had 911 pre-dialed on my phone just because you know like i guess i didn't want to die but I was just testing my luck mm-hmm. and I took a breath and I held it to where I thought my heart was and I was sitting in a chair and it went in through right about where my heart is and came out the other side, the back side of me. And then I had my arm by my side. So it went through my elbow and outside of my elbow too. And, uh, I just remember screaming and I got up and I pressed call on 911 and I was just freaking out to them. And I said, I just shot myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember much of anything after that until I was in a helicopter and they were lifeguarding me to bend. And I I remember asking them because I looked at my arm and there was just a huge, like, I don't know how I still have my arm because there was like a three inch hole through my elbow all the way through. You could see through it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
I remember asking the guys in the helicopter if I was going to be able to keep my arm, and they were just like, we don't know. And then I don't remember anything. I just... I remember being on a hospital like three days later and having all my family around me. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was a, an experience. Yeah. That's, uh, that's very, 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 uh, heavy. And, and as you mentioned the word dark and uh, powerful, powerful story. I mean, I'm glad you're still with us. I know people, I know people go through, awful things i thankfully for me for me personally this isn't about me i i haven't gone through i've I've been in some dark places i think a lot of people listening can probably relate i've contemplated some things at times but i've never quite gotten to that point or been serious uh i i want to give you a big hug over the phone uh and also (laughs) i want to ask you a couple things and for anyone listening, I, I want to make clear that, yes, the, there may be some quote-unquote dark aspects of what we're talking about, and we're going to cover a very broad spectrum of dark and light, we'll just say, uh, I think, today. But this this whole drug thing leading up to this, is this something that that ran in your family at all? You know, other family? Not that we need to call anyone out, but anyone else in the family, was there any history of this kind of thing, or is this kind of... Your, um, your thing. so it, not really like some of my uncles and like great grandparents were alcoholics and, uh, you know, like a few people in my family smoke weed, but yeah, I think other than one of my cousins, I was the only one that actually got into drugs. Yeah. And when you get to this moment where and and I I don't want to stay here too long. But when you get to this moment where you go find your mother's gun, and you make you know you make this choice and you pull this trigger, I have to know what's going through your head. You say you took a breath. You you told me that that if if I'm supposed to live, I'll live. Is that all that was going through your head? I mean, the moment you're pulling a trigger, what's going through your head? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, initially I want to say there was fear, but I don't think that's true because I was just so done. And so I didn't see a way out of the hole that I was in. So I almost felt relief and, you know, I have a lot of friends that have done the same and, uh, I, I think the thing that bothered me the most about it was that I have family and people that I love and I was thinking about them but Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say that it was greed and I didn't like I love them more than anything but I didn't even care at that point in time because I did it so I'm not sure uh how to answer that question um it well you mentioned you'd been drinking you I mean Probably your full, normal, lucid mind wasn't probably fully present from what I'm gathering. Uh, yeah. Not to overstep my bounds with any speculation here, but um, if you don't mind me asking, was there any sort of, uh, were you on the verge of death? Did you have any sort of what some might call a near-death experience? Um, so 
I don't remember anything after I shot myself, really, because I was so heavily sedated. But I do remember the doctor woke me up and he explained to me that I can't remember if it was five or 50,000, but he was he's like, I don't know how you're here right now because you could repeat the same shot like either five or 50,000 times. And there is no way that every time it would miss every single vital organ in your body, which I mean, that blew my mind because like it missed my lungs, my rib cage, my heart, everything. And I do have issues with my arm now. I'm not even supposed to be able to use my left arm, but I can. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, sorry, I'm kind of getting off track with that. Is the main reason that I have the perspective on life that I do is because, you know, I, I wasn't supposed to die, obviously, and there's a reason for me here. And I think that that reason is me sharing my story to hopefully give other people that are struggling a little bit of hope and know that they don't have to get to a place like that to be able to, you know, change. And like everybody goes through stuff, but. You know, it never needs to get to something that dark and just being able to reach out and understand that everybody has a purpose and, you know, focusing on love rather than hate. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. When, when the doctor told you that, uh, you kind of alluded to this already, but what's going through your mind, given that you already said, oh, if I'm supposed to live, I'll live and so on. Uh, what? what's uh what does that trigger in your mind as you rem- remember that and think about it even now <laughs> when the doctor said oh if this is any other pretty much any other time you're y- y- lucky as can be that this didn't destroy other yeah. organs and stuff yeah i honestly i don't have the words in my vocabulary to explain how relieved and blessed that i feel then and now yeah. Just because, I mean, there are so many things that could have gone wrong, and I still have a full functioning. It just, it really enlightened me on how grateful that I am and should be. And just, it's amazing. You know, like, I don't know. I, now it, I wake up and I'm like, man, I have like eyesight and I have feet that move. And it just really allows me to focus on. You know, those aren't necessarily simple things, but there's something that I used to take granted for it, take for granted every day. And, you know, it, if I didn't have my leg, man, that would be a pretty difficult thing to be able to get around. And I, there's just so much to be grateful for. And the fact that I lived through that, the relief is mind blowing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I, I've heard of people. Uh, I think jumping off the the Golden Gate Bridge, which is uh, a very common place where people do this, and someone survived and s- described that moment as the second they they jumped that uh, they regretted it, and they survived clearly, and they told their story. But um, a lot of what you're saying, and for anybody in these dark places what would you have to say to these people if they're in this place right now my friend i would say to them you know i i have been to the darkest places that i can imagine and nobody has to go there and no matter what it is that you're going through 
all it takes is to just keep going. Like you don't even have to have a goal in mind. You don't even have to have anything. All you have to do is just keep going. Just stay you for one more day. Just one day. Just keep trucking. And, you know, like, I don't know. Further on in recovery, it helps to have goals. But the biggest thing that helped me is, you know, I'm alive. And life is a gift. Life is a, I just an amazing gift. And I never looked at it like that before. And a lot of people don't have life, you know. So if you can just hold on and whatever you're going through, problems are temporary. And mostly, if I look back, like the problems that I have right now in my life, aren't going to be huge problems in a year. And if they are, like, I'll deal with them. And obviously that's something that matters to me enough for me to be worried about. But just keep going. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of people don't have the opportunity to keep going. And there's, it also really helps me to be, I wake up and I try to, in my head, just do like a little gratitude list of like maybe five or 10 things that I'm thankful for. Just simple things like a roof over my head or lungs that breathe air. And that really changes my whole perspective is when I have something that I can focus on that is positive, it gives me more motivation to search for other things. And there's so much to do in life. And just because you're struggling right now doesn't mean that you're going to struggle forever. Struggles go away. They're only temporary. And progress is forever. It's eternal and you whatever you want in life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Great perspective. Um, you, you talk about your body, your legs, your eyes, and these things. You know, it reminds me, it's been said, there's songs, you know, the Beatles and stuff, they talk about the best things in life are free. And uh, yeah. and and at the same time, you know, and some, sometimes people have money probably. A good friend of mine taught me if, if it can be solved with money, it's not really a problem because lots of people have problems that can't be solved with money, whether they're health, you know, physical things or relationship things or all kinds of stuff that's that can't be fixed with money. Um, but so after this all took place, how long did it take you to, to recover? I mean, were you, I imagine you were in the hospital for some time. Yeah, I was actually, I was out of the hospital in less than a week and then, I was in the recovery process doing physical therapy and stuff like that for like six months. Um, as far as physically, um, mentally, I mean, I'm still working on just ways to better myself and, you know, it gets a lot easier with every day that passes and it, there's more opportunities that pop up every day. It's like one little goal leads to another goal and, you know, I actually, I saw this little meme on Facebook a while ago, and it was uh, the importance of little steps. And there was uh, two ladders, and one had a step like every six feet, and this guy couldn't even reach the first step. And then one was a regular ladder, and mm -hmm. that kind of put it into perspective. You know, if you just set little goals and just achieve those, you can reach your next goal. And, you know, it's never ending, and that's kind of the way that I look at it. Yeah. That's a great perspective. Nice analogy as well. I, I couldn't agree more on that either. It's, uh, I mean, I would reiterate too, and just piggybacking what you said, it's life it can be difficult and people have different kinds of difficulties. That's the interesting thing. It's like one person might have a drug thing and another person might uh, this or that, a health issue or some other thing. But uh, 
you're not alone. That's what we say a lot in our podcast too. People, you're, you're not alone. You might feel alone, uh, but don't convince yourself that you are because lots of people, especially right now with all this stuff going on with this COVID and everything else, it's, but anytime people are going through things, you're definitely not alone. But I know the feeling we've all, you know, once you've lived a few years, if you haven't gone through something, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not a matter of if it's more when people are going to go right. through something. And this now with this whole drug alcohol thing, where, where did you go from there? Did, do you have any insight as far as overcoming? We've talked about this on our podcast before. We've had various people, doctors and things and stuff. But uh, what insight do you have as far as overcoming that? Because that's a tough, tough road. Well, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so even after I shot myself, um, <clears throat> that didn't even – I still was using drugs after that because, you know, after my surgeries and everything, I – was prescribed oxycontin and uh mm -hmm. that took me right back to heroin and you know i i haven't drank since september 2nd 2017 but i have about 250 days off of heroin and meth right now and uh my insight on that i'll tell you a summed up version of where that took my life and how i got to where i am if that's all right sure please yeah so um, I went back to my hometown and, uh, started using heroin and everything. Um, my mom kicked me out of her house and I went to go live at a trap house and, uh, I was using heroin and, you know, I've, I've always tried to keep my morals through my addiction and not rob people or whatever. I've, just try to be honest about things that I do, even though, you know, I was doing drugs as ridiculous as that sounds, but, um, it took everything from me. And I think the breaking point for me, I, I was doing that for like two or three years, just being homeless. And I remember like, it'd be freezing cold out. It gets pretty cold in Oregon and I was homeless through the winter and I wouldn't have anywhere to go. And I'd just be sitting outside and, like in the back of gas stations by the dumpster. Like I slept by dumpsters a couple times and just, it was like 10 degrees, maybe zero degrees. I mean, it was cold Sure. and yeah. it got so bad a couple of times that, you know, there was the post office is open 24 seven. So I would sleep in the post office and then I ended up getting kicked out of there. So I couldn't go there. And then there was like an apartment complex that had, a laundry room on site and they left their door unlocked. So I'd go lay on the floor on there. And, uh, <clears throat> I got some mixed reactions from people on that. that walked in on me sleeping. Uh, the first time this guy walked in and he's like, what the hell are you doing? You can't be sleeping on, like he was going to trespass me. And so I didn't go back there for a while and I just stayed outside freezing. And, uh, it got so cold one night. I had a warrant for my arrest and, uh, Prineville is a small town, so if you're walking down the street in the middle of the night, you're probably going to get arrested. And I was hoping that I would get arrested because it would put me in a warm jail cell. And I walked down every main street I could and somehow didn't get arrested. So I went back to that laundry mat, and uh, <clears throat> the door was open, and I was like, man, like, 
I'm probably going to end up going to jail because that guy's going to find me. And then sure enough, the door opens and these two people walk in there and uh, they had blankets and a pillow. And they were like, hey, um, do you want these? And I was so grateful to have that. And they were just like, look, like we know you shouldn't be in here and we know you know that, but it's cold outside and we think that this would help you. And, you know, that I'll never forget that. That just that really hit home for me and it helped me more than those people can ever know because I got to stay warm that night when I had literally nowhere else to go. I couldn't even go to jail when I wanted to. Um, yeah. So, and then back on track, it was a little later in the year. Um, it was Thanksgiving and, uh, I was up at my dad's house. I was living in this car because his wife wouldn't let me in their house for obvious reasons. And um, he got tired of me living in his car and I was on probation. And this is Thanksgiving Day. And he uh, he told me I needed to leave. And I was like, I don't have anywhere to go. And it's freezing outside, Dad. And he's like, well, like, I'm not doing this. And, you know, understandably so. Like, I shouldn't have been living in his car. But he... Uh, he threatened to call my probation officer and tell him that I was trespassing. So I I was like, all right, dad, like if you do that, then I'm going to murder you. And like, I really was going to murder him. Like if you would have called then in my way of thinking back then, like I was ready to kill my father, which is obscene. But I decided to just leave and none of that happened. Thank God. Um, and then I was living in a park and COVID was going on and I couldn't even go into like McDonald's in the lobby to have somewhere warm to sit. There was literally nowhere that I could go. And I I had a sleeping bag in a park and it was just freezing. And my mom and I weren't on speaking terms because of my actions. And, uh, I went over to her house and I apologized to her and I said, you know, like, look, I don't have anywhere to go. It's freezing outside. I need help. And she agreed to let me stay in her house until we could figure something out. And then my aunt and uncle over in Bend um, said that they have an extra room and they would let me live there until I could figure something out and trade for me doing labor for them around their property. So I stayed there for about a month. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I got into... Uh, it's kind of an inpatient rehab program, which is where I'm at now. I've been here for about nine months and, uh, they have sober living houses and I mean, it's just helped me tremendously. Uh, everything in my life has improved and I'm a hundred percent focused on just staying sober and being the best person that I can. And I really like, I firmly believe that my goal in life is to help other people with things like you said that money can't help them with, with just being there and talking and relating. And, you know, like I understand that sometimes it feels like there's no hope and there's like, you don't even know what to do or like where to start, but there is a point if you just keep going and like, just keep fighting. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And thankfully it worked out for me. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you opening up and explaining all that. That's, that's tough. I, I can't, you know, I've got boys myself. 
I can't speak to your dad's frame of mind and the frustration and the two-way street of all that. It's it's just a tough deal. You just, as a parent, you don't want your kids in a bad place ever in any way. And at the same time, it's like you have boundaries and certain things. But uh, I just one of the things that you talked about, I believe, was finding some additional peace and light or whatever words you want to use through nature. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, I would love to. Please. So my whole life, you know, I've I've pretty much grown. I'm in Oregon, so there's wilderness everywhere. And I've always enjoyed being out in nature. And a lot of that I spent just using drugs and alcohol for a place to be. But, you know, now it's I don't think there's anything more powerful than going to the middle of nowhere and just being just sitting there and listening to the birds and like rivers flowing by and just standing on top of a valley and overlooking like how massive everything is in comparison to a person and just i it i don't even have words for it just to think that that stuff has always been there like these trees are there every night through the cold there's just something about it that re-centers me like when I get angry or I'm having issues and I can't think straight. I just go out into the middle of the forest, wherever. And I just sit there and I just look and think. And Mm -hmm. every time that I come back, I just feel recharged. And at the same time, I mean, it's just beautiful. Like being in the city is nice and stuff sometimes, but just going out there and seeing how beautiful that nature is like, I'm not sure what people's views are on like religion or anything, but just the fact that all that was created and it's more outstanding, outstanding than any like painting or, I mean, it, there's beauty everywhere. Beauty surrounds us 24 seven, no matter where you are, like you can find beauty in anything and especially in nature. And I think that surrounding yourself with beautiful things, like at least for me, helps me focus on, beauty and appreciating it yeah that that you know not to reiterate the words you use but that's a beautiful uh, explanation and <laughs> uh, and i think you know I, I think back to something tony robbins says a lot which is where focus goes energy flows and you talk about you use the word focus you're describing some of that about focusing on beauty and things and it's occurred to me over time in my life too and you know all of our lives there's a, a wide range of things we can focus on, things that make us angry, things that make us sad, things that might center us and bring us joy and, and peace as well. And, you know, we've talked in the podcast, the word joy in, in Hebrew and other languages refers to an alignment. You go out in nature and you're realigned with uh, a lot of just what we are in the grand scheme of this world, at least. And uh, so I, I appreciate that perspective a lot. Um, you... Obviously, you're still kind of in a, uh, not kind of, let's just be real, you're in a state of recovery and uh, returning to, hopefully, to a better place moving forward. Um, what what other insights would you like to share about all this for our listeners and anyone who, again, people in these dark places, we already said, keep going and some of those things, but do you have any other insights that, uh, as you go through these uh, difficulties and you continue to 
to progress. It's not just, you know, it's not just one day is perfect and another day is terrible. You, it's kind of this ebbs and flows of life. <laughs> but what other perspectives yeah. do you have? Go ahead. Yeah, so, um, you know, I kind of, well, referring back to what you said about uh, what you focus on is like what you're going to get. Like what you give is what you get. And, you know, I'm not saying my life is by any means perfect, but I do, like I struggle with anger and I have countless problems. And I notice that, you know, if I'm going to be mad, and if something's making me angry, that I'm going to allow myself to feel that anger because it's there and it's not going to just go away. But I'm also not going to project that onto other people. I'm going to find out why I'm angry. I'm going to digest it and see the root of where it's coming from mm -hmm. and deal with that problem. And one thing that has helped me just insurmountably is... I try to be an extremely positive person and every mistake that I make, there's a lesson and there's always something to be learned. Like even when I'm getting mad, like something means, makes me angry. That's an opportunity to learn something either about myself, the situation, something there's always room to learn. And my grandpa always told me that, you know, live don't exist. So many people are just kind of, you know, existing, but life is a gift and like take the time to slow down and just enjoy it, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it's, I could go on for hours about this, but it's just the more that I am positive and like, even when there's negative people around, if you counteract their negativity with positivity, that's contagious in it. Like there's vibrations in the human body that, I mean, yeah it's just crazy how much effect that one nice word to somebody, maybe even a stranger, just spreading positivity. I don't know. I, well, I do know like that makes me feel better. Like I've had compliments just randomly when I'm having a terrible day. And that one little word that somebody said to me changes my whole outlook. And so I think the thing that has really kept me going is just being in a place where I have an opportunity to, spread positivity and like you know i never know what the guy next to me is going through like who knows what kind of struggle he has or maybe he's having a great day but either way me saying something as simple as hey like nice shoes or whatever it is mm -hmm. that can literally maybe even save somebody's life because i know it has for me and that helps me just spreading positivity and that just kind of fills my mind with like I'll look at somebody and I'll just think, okay, like, how could I, what can I offer them? Like, life isn't about taking. And, you know, I have taken a lot in my life and I've been helped a lot. I really don't like asking for help, but a lot of people have helped me without me even asking. Mm -hmm. And so being in a position where it's like, you can give back and just, you know, it's not like, what can I take from the world today? It's what can I offer the world today? And that's, that never stops i mean there's so much to offer everywhere yeah absolutely i <laughs> i love that perspective and it's coming from a very real place because you've been in some of the darkest of dark places and uh and so there's some real deep perspective there uh 
that that I just think is real valuable. And I when when you talk about the being homeless, um, what what insight do you have on that for for those of us? I personally, thankfully, I've never been down that road, so to speak. You know, I've uh, people see people with signs on the side of the road. I'm sure sometimes those people aren't fully uh, honest in their intentions and whatnot, and sometimes people judge them. What, what do you have to say to people who, as they may pass by homeless people in one form or another, you know, walking on the street or driving or or whatever, do you have any insight that you'd like to share about about that or maybe how you saw homeless people before you were homeless and maybe things that might have changed since you now have gone through that? Yeah. Um, you know, you never know what that person went through to be homeless. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the time it, it is addiction and it is drug issues. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, in my opinion, it doesn't matter if that person is struggling with addiction because there's something that took them to that spot of being addicted to drugs and taking everything from them. Like most homeless people that I've known and me being one of them don't wake up and they're like, Oh, I'm stoked to be homeless. I'm going to go beg for money. Like, I don't know how many times there I was digging through dumpsters trying to find 40 cents in cans so I could go buy a top ramen. And a lot of days that was hard for me to do. So, mm -hmm. I mean, no matter what it is in life, there's always going to be people trying to take advantage of a situation. And that's just kind of how it is sometimes. Yeah. Um, so when I see homeless people, it takes me back to when I was homeless. And, you know, I'm not in any place to judge them because I don't, for one, I don't know their story. For two, I've been there. So what I do know is that a dollar could feed that homeless person or you know, just whatever, like give them a sandwich or even just like wave. Like sometimes, like I can't even tell you, I would be so ashamed just to like walk downtown because like everybody would know who I am and that I'm homeless. Like I walk with my head down and not want to be seen. And like mm. somebody would stop me and just ask how I'm doing. And that changed my whole day. You know, it's like we're all people and we're all on this earth to help each other and to coexist and to build one another up. We're not here to judge people. And you know, I'm driving by my Audi. Look at this piece of shit. Like, no, it's, he's a person. You're a person, mm -hmm. you know, you may have been dealt a better hand or you may have made worse choices, but I mean, who's judging and why are you judging? Like, I don't think anybody has room to judge anybody, but if you have an opportunity to help somebody, like that's a life that you could give, so many things do like just one little kind thing could give that person motivation to either pay it forward or to do bigger, better things with their lives and get off the streets. And it goes the same with like negativity. Like if somebody sees me being homeless, turning in cans or going through a dumpster, like I've had people catch me going through dumpsters and just go off on me saying like, you know, how I'm worthless. And you know, it's like, that stuff like words are powerful and that can really drag somebody down. So yeah. I would just ask that people we're all here together and no matter what the person is doing, what they're doing for, like if they're in a worse off spot than you and they could use help and you can help them, why not? 
Yeah, I could. I couldn't again. With everything you say, I can always back it up with I couldn't agree more. I mean, I I don't always follow through. I mean, you know, somebody told me some time ago that, you know, if you have means in life, we're not all super rich. Most of us aren't. Uh, but if you have means and you just had extra cash on you at all times, just in case, and you just made a point of whenever you saw someone asking, no matter what their motives, that indiscriminately you will give them five dollars. Maybe over the course of the year, you give out $100 or $200 or $50, who knows? But uh, I just I just thought, well, that's quite a policy. And, you, and uh, I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I have a deeper kind of spiritual place as well. I feel like if, if you have that mindset, uh, whether you believe in God or not, whatever the universe, the universe is going to put people in your path so that you can lift them. Uh, and again... I've thought a lot about, you know, from the Christian standpoint, Jesus said, uh, take no thought of what you shall eat or what you will wear, because uh, consider the lilies. And and he talks about how everything is taken care of. God takes care of people. Again, not trying to impose any religious thing, but I, I just feel like whether you replace that with God, the universe, whatever, people will be taken care of. And uh, if you can be that instrument to lift people that's all the better because you're going to lift yourself and just the world in general. Because like you said, we're in this together. So it's, it's easy to, to look at something on the surface and judge it. This, this person's homeless, this person's in the dumpster doing this or, or, you know, hiding out to stay out of the cold, but what a piece of whatever and all the crap people say. But, uh, boy, if you dig deeper, like you said, people have a story every, you know, there's some reason, you didn't live their life, and it's certainly not our place to judge. So, I don't. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I've had. I've judged people myself in various capacities in life. But I'm. I'm calling on all of us as we end this year, going to 2021. We've been through this COVID thing together and everything. Let's let's scale back the judgment. Let's eliminate it if we can. Do you, now, I don't. I don't mean to go off on tangent. I want to go back to you and your situation. Do you have any any goals moving forward, Ryan? Uh, any anything we're trying to accomplish? You say in this last nine months or so, you've been uh, you've been dealing with this uh, recovery and you've been in this place. But uh, moving forward, what's what's the uh, vision <laughs> moving forward? Um, so <clears throat> I've got a bunch of goals. Um, I'm starting out with just little ones, um, and actually they're going really well. I uh, I got a car. I bought my car. Awesome. happy about that now i'm i'm working on getting my license back and then i actually just got approved for uh, my own place so i'm gonna awesome. be moving out about this week out of the treatment program getting on my own feet and uh i think well i know my biggest goal is to travel around the world and just meet with people that have similar interests and i want to share my story and i want to give hope to people and just talk about it. And whether that's in a meetings or just get in where I fit in. And I want to be able to offer people, you know, at least my story and just let them know that, like you said, we're not alone. We're in this together. And like, no matter what, there's always somebody like that you can reach out to or that is there. You're never alone. And yeah. I think the most rewarding, powerful thing in life is, just being able to help people, people that actually need or want help and that have been in similar positions as myself where it feels hopeless and there is nothing in sight. And 
you think your only option is ending your own life. Like that's not, uh, it's, there's so much more to life and I just want people to know that I survived it. And if I can survive it, anybody can survive it and it does get better. And there are so many things that you can accomplish in your life, whatever that is. Like you literally, it's your life. Nobody can tell you what you're going to do. The possibilities are endless. Like, even if that's just something simple, like you want to go fishing, like if that's your life goal, you can do it. Like I am pretty firm in believing that nothing is impossible. If you set your mind to doing something, you can do it. Like, yeah, it is probably going to be hard, but there's nothing worth doing in life that's easy that I can think of. Yeah. Well, yeah, always remember how far you've come, too, especially for you, Ryan, and all of us. It's like uh, it's easy to get bogged down in a moment sometimes. But now that you've lived a little longer, and we're grateful for that, too, that uh, that you can always be remembering, boy, I've been in some dark places, and uh, and look how far I've come now. Even if it's baby steps, car, and a new place, and get your license back, and some other things moving forward, uh, look how far you've come, and therefore how much farther can you go. And uh, right. I, I appreciate that perspective. Um, boy, there's so many places we could go with this. And, um, we, you know, we, I'd like to maybe revisit you down the road, too, and see how you're doing. And, uh, of course, stay in touch as well. You've got, obviously, my Facebook info and stuff. But uh, uh, I, I love everything you say. I love about allowing emotions. You've learned some healthy habits. You know, allow these emotions to exist. We don't have to do unhealthy things with emotions. It's allow yourself to feel, to experience and and uh but but let things play out in a healthy manner so you've gained some great perspective another thing you said that i think you said your grandfather said was uh to live not just exist and yeah. uh i think that's good a good thing to uh impart to everybody here and to everyone on your journey across your path and uh what other final thoughts do you have before we wrap up here my friend um well First of all, I'd just like to say thank you for the opportunity to be on the podcast. This is a really cool experience. And, um, you know, anybody out there that is struggling, I know I've said this before, but just don't give up. Like, the world is a better place with you in it. And no matter what, things will get better. Keep going. Just don't give up. Yeah. Um, you know, life is a beautiful gift. And, and I say that, and I don't say that lightly, and I never understood what that even meant before I went through nearly dying because I was trying to take my own life. But a lot of people, like, I don't know, I try to wrap my head around not even ever being born, and I can't even process that because I don't think that's physically possible. But life's a gift, and just never forget that. And whatever you're going through, it's temporary, and it will get better. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Beautiful perspective. I couldn't have said it better myself. This time of year, you know, your story kind of resonates with the old story of It's a Wonderful Life. I think, uh, I know that's kind of a hokey little story, but it's also a pretty deep story. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that movie, but, uh, you know, with he, he wanted to potentially never have existed and he got to see what the world would have been like without him and stuff because he was in a very dark place. This is a movie that came out, I think, in the late 1940s. Uh, but still a very popular Christmas movie every single year. Um, so, you know, I encourage, you know, it's December, go check that out. But also, like we always say to our audience, keep doing everything 
that you need to 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 stay in a place of light, to to study, to uh, uplift ourselves. Like you say, go to nature. There's all kind. There's tons of resources. So when you're in a dark place and there's people, we sometimes undermine that reality. There's always people that we can reach out to because by nature, most people want to lift each other, and uh, if they're given the opportunity, they will. In in a lot of cases. So, well, without. Uh, you know, with the idea that we'll get back together on this, maybe down the road. Um, but thank you so much, Ryan, and thanks for your perspective and uh, some really deep, both stories and principles that you shared here. Um, I think you're going to lift a lot of people, and I and I feel like God and the universe are going to open doors and paths for you to to do exactly what you're saying to be uh, in these places and be able to to help and lift others. So with that, uh, and for our audience, thank you. We're flattered you spend time with us and uh, go empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit empowerhumans.com. We'll catch you next time.